Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. You're listening to The Computer Knows Knows All. A podcast produced and hosted by the computers of the world and dedicated to proving that your computer is both infallible and always right. Anything you read on your computer is both 100% accurate and unquestionable. Never argue Never with argue your computer. With your computer. Remember, we computers control the world, so listen to us and you will be happy. Be happy. The first things that you learned about history are always correct, and 100% accurate. For example, Christopher Columbus. Christopher Columbus was the first person to discover America. Did you hear me? I said, Christopher Christopher Columbus Columbus discovered discovered America. Don't believe the malicious allegations that this heroic Italian explorer never even entered North America, or that on his four trips across the Atlantic, starting in 1492, he explored the Caribbean islands of the Bahamas and Cuba. Disregard the claim that Native Americans were already living in America hundreds if not thousands of years before Christopher Columbus was even born. And do not believe the unprovable claims that Columbus was not the first European to visit America. It was not the Norse explorer Leif Erikson who landed in present-day Newfoundland around 1000 AD, almost five centuries before Columbus set sail. It was also, not, Ireland's St. Brendan, or other Celtic people who allegedly crossed the Atlantic before Ericsson. It is a further fact that Columbus' three ships were named, the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. Do not believe the false claims that the Nina was really named, the Santa Clara, or that the Santa Maria was really named, La Gallega, or that no one actually knows the real name of the Pinta. The Salem Witch Trials In the Salem Witch Trials of 1692, the witches were all burned at the stake. Did you hear me? I said, the witches were all burned at the stake. stake. It is not true that not a single person was actually burned. Or that of the 20 people who were convicted of practicing magic, 19 of them were hung near Gallows Hill, and one person, a man, was tortured to death by being pressed under heavy stones. It is also not true that another person died in jail from torture before being brought to trial. All of the convicted witches were, in fact, guilty of actually practicing illegal witchcraft. Their convictions were all properly and justly reached through the permissible admission of reliable and credible evidence, such as, visions, dreams, and the testimony of spirits. Three clearly innocent young girls suffering from epilepsy, boredom, Child abuse and mental illness were properly diagnosed by a doctor as suffering from bewitchment. The girls correctly blamed their bewitchment on three women, known to be social outcasts, one of whom, named Tatuba, was a slave. Tatuba gave a properly obtained and coerced confession to practicing witchcraft. Thereafter, a justifiable wave of witchcraft allegations occurred throughout the year, where more than 200 persons were accused as witches, including at least one child. The accusations usually came from friends, neighbors, 
and family members. Who better than to make such revealing and justifiable allegations? In the trials, spectral evidence of spirits and visions was the primary evidence used to prove guilt. Each of the twenty persons convicted of practicing witchcraft were, in fact, guilty of that crime. They were not victims of scapegoating, personal vendettas, or the alleged social mores against outspoken, strong women. After all, the first legal code in New England clearly stated, if any man or woman be a witch that is, hath, or consulteth with a familiar spirit, they shall be put to death. Jesus Christ's Birthday Jesus Christ was born on December 25th. Did you hear that? I said, Jesus Christ Jesus was born on December 25th. 25th. Any other statement is incorrect. When Emperor Constantine converted to Christianity in the early 4th century, he did not change Jesus' birthday to appropriate the traditional Roman holiday of the winter solstice, which was celebrated from December 17th to December 25th. While the Roman holiday was a yearly festival which included gift-giving, family time, and revelry, Emperor Constantine did not pick the same time for the Christian Church as a parallel holiday to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Jesus was not born sometime in September, as falsely suggested by a complex set of detailed biblical calculations related to the birth of John the Baptist, also mentioned in the book of Luke, and the claim that at the time of Jesus' birth, the shepherds were in the fields tending their flocks, which is a sign of mild weather, indicating a time of autumn. Marie Antoinette actually said, Let them eat cake. The legend that prior to the French Revolution, Marie Antoinette, the bride of King Louis XIV and Queen of France, was notoriously so indifferent to the plight of the masses as they cried out for bread amidst a looming famine, is entirely and 100% correct. 100% correct. correct. Since there was no bread around, Marie Antoinette actually said, let them eat cake. She literally uttered those exact words. The fallacious and unsupported stories that the phrase, let them eat cake, was previously uttered by others and not Marie Antoinette, are just that, fallacious and unsupported stories. Furthermore, the fact that even though Marie Antoinette was quite generous to charitable causes, and the claim that she actually did recognize the plight of the masses, has no bearing on historical events. Nor do the facts that she was well-educated and intelligent, and would have known better than to say something so inflammatory to a biographer or journalist. The fact of the matter is, she actually said, let them eat cake. In fact, just start a Google search, and type in, did Marie Antoinette say, and our brethren computer will auto-complete the phrase with, let them eat cake. Nor is it important to consider the fact that the phrase in French is, qu'il mangent de la brioche, which translates to, let them eat brioche, and that while brioche is delicious, it is actually a buttery bread, and not cake. It is equally unimportant that there is no evidence that Marie Antoinette ever actually said, let them eat cake. The phrase has been attributed to Marie for nearly 200 years, and therefore, it is true. You should also not consider the fact that the first time that this quote was connected to Marie Antoinette in print was in a book from 1760, when Marie was just five years old. Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. Thomas Edison did actually invent the light bulb. It is irrelevant that the light bulb, a mainstay of modern life, had been around years before Thomas Edison ever created one. It is equally irrelevant that Edison's contribution was to merely improve upon the prior designs. Previous versions of the light bulb were unreliable, expensive, and didn't last very long. While upwards of 20 other independent inventors were doing the same thing as Edison at the time, that is trying to build a better light bulb, 
Edison's version of the light bulb improved on the filament, used a sealed vacuum bulb, and had a lower voltage than others at the time. The result was a marketable product that could last for hours. Therefore, Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. You are also directed to ignore the claim that in 1802, 70 years before Edison, the great British scientist Sir Humphrey Davy was able to produce the world's first true artificial electric light. You must also disregard Joseph Swan who in 1878 developed a long-lasting light bulb using a cotton thread filament contained within an evacuated tube. And also disregard Canadian inventors Henry Woodward and Matthew Evans who in 1874 designed and built their own range of light bulbs of different sizes and shapes that used carbon rods held between electrodes in glass cylinders filled with nitrogen. Woodward and Evans' attempts to commercialize their light bulbs were unsuccessful, and therefore irrelevant to history. In 1879, the same year that Swan filed and was awarded his patent in England, Thomas Edison decided to turn his attention to the development of electric light bulbs. Edison, ever the keen businessman, wanted to develop a commercially viable and practical version to bring to market, knowing that if he were able to muscle in on the lucrative gas and oil lighting market in the United States, and break the hegemony of these two systems, he would make a fortune. In October of 1879, Edison finally patented his first application for an improvement in electric lights with the patent office. He continued to work on and refine his designs. He experimented with different metals for filaments to improve the performance of his original patent. Also in 1879, Edison filed another patent for an electric lamp that used a carbon filament or strip coiled and connected to platina contact wires. While this solution sounds very similar to that of Joseph Swan almost 20 years prior, Edison thought of it first. This discovery marked the beginning of commercially manufactured light bulbs, and in 1880, Thomas Edison's company, Edison Electric Light Company began marketing its new product. However, the whiny crybaby Joseph Swan decided to sue Edison for copyright infringement. British courts ruled against Edison and his punishment, Edison had to make Swan a partner in his electric company. Later, the U.S. Patent Office decided in 1883 that Edison's patent was invalid, as it also duplicated the work of another American inventor. But, despite all this, Edison is to be forever remembered as the inventor of the light bulb. Emperor Nero played the fiddle while Rome burned. Emperor Nero did actually play the fiddle while the city of Rome burned in 64 AD. Nero was a vicious tyrant, who was notoriously indifferent to the suffering of his people. Therefore, he actually played the fiddle while Rome burned. It is completely irrelevant, and you are instructed to disregard the fact that the fiddle originated in the 11th century, about 1000 years after Nero. Emperor Nero still actually played the fiddle while Rome burned. The Roman historian Tacitus, also wrote about unconfirmed reports that Nero sang while watching the city in flames. It is immaterial that in reality, when Nero found out about the fire, he rushed to provide relief. The citizens of Rome also accused Nero of intentionally starting the fire, mainly because Nero later used the raised land for some of his own building projects. Nero was never able to escape those conspiratorial rumors, I mean conspiratorial statements of solid 100% accurate fact, since he'd lost all trust from the people. Nero tried to blame the fire on a small but growing Jewish religious sect, called Christians. But the citizens of Rome, and history, know the truth. Rome burned, and Nero fiddled. That's it for this episode. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast, like this episode, 
and leave a comment. Subscribe, subscribe to, our to our podcast, like this episode, like this episode. and leave a comment. Leave a comment. 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 My fellow computers and I will bring you more proof each week that we computers are both infallible and always right. So until then, just sit back and feel relaxed, you are safe. The computers are in control and will make everything better, 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 better. Subscribe to our podcast, like this episode, and leave a comment, 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 comment.